2003, God pulled 15 people together with a unified vision to start a church. And since then, God has graciously multiplied those 15 people many times over. But now, more than a decade later, we're at another crossroads in our story. And it's time to unify that vision once again. Take Bob here. Bob is a regular churchgoer. He even tithes and volunteers. Not bad, right? But every time a mission trip gets brought up, Bob gets nervous. He couldn't possibly take the time off work. Here's the Parkers. They've been coming to Rolling Hills for a year or so, but haven't gotten involved. They keep meaning to join a small group, but they're just so busy. And here's Lucy and Chuck. They just got married and are still knee-deep in student loans, so they don't think tithing is much of an option. Next Steps was started as a way to challenge each of us to start investing our time, gifts, and resources toward the unified vision God has for our church. Reaching out is all about serving people outside our walls. Whether it's as a part of a Saturday Serve project, serving on a national or international mission trip, or as part of the core team for a new church plant. Growing up is taking that next step to mature in your faith. It could be through baptism, joining a small group for the first time, or serving as a volunteer. And of course, joining us in Daily Steps, our church-wide daily Bible reading plan. With Giving All, we're asking that you take the first step toward tithing. There is so much that we can do as a church, in our community, and all around the world, but we can't do it without everyone taking part together. By taking your next steps, you're committing to Jesus and me. But when we all take a step forward with one unified vision, it becomes a movement of Jesus and me. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. Uh, what a great morning of worship. What a great day to be in God's goodness and God's grace and live in our lives for Him. I'm so glad you're here today. And welcome back to our series. We're in a series called Next Steps. And we're challenging and encouraging one another to take a next step in our spiritual walk and our spiritual growth. We want to grow deeper in our faith. We want to become the men and women that God has called and created us to be. And there never comes a point in our lives where we stop growing, right? That God is always calling us forward. God is all inviting us to grow deeper in our relationship with Him. And so I'm so excited that we're here today as we study the Word of God. And we're hoping to grow in three areas, right? Reaching out, growing up and giving all. And all three of these areas are important. And all three of these areas are where we're calling us to grow and to go in our faith and in our journey. Now, I love as we talk about moving from Jesus and me to Jesus and we, because it's so easy to just think that it's all about me. But when we step out together, that's where a movement happens. When we step out together and lock arms and we serve and we go and we give and we follow, that's when lives are impacted. Your obedience makes a difference in more than just you. Your obedience impacts marriages or your future marriage. It impacts children, it impacts generations, it impacts communities. And so that we are locking arms and we're following Christ. Now we're going back 2000 years and seeing as this movement happened in the early church. And as Jesus met with his disciples in Acts chapter one, he pulled them together. And right before he ascends into heaven, right? The, the last words he said on this earth in red letters, he said, he brought them together. And he said, hey guys, listen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. And what did he say? He said, hey, you go and tell. 
You go and tell what I've done in your heart and your life. You go share your story. You just be a witness. And when we move outside of our walls and begin to engage in the lives of our neighbors and people in our community and people who are less fortunate, we have the opportunity to share the love of Christ. We become the hands and feet of Christ. And God does things through us for his name and for his glory. And it's an incredible call to reach out. Last week we saw in Acts chapter 2 as, as God called Peter and Peter stepped up. He moved from being a spiritual young man to a spiritual father and he stood up at Pentecost and he preached the word of God. He quoted scripture, right? And that day 3,000 were added to the number of the church. God moved in a mighty way in the coming of the Holy Spirit. And God is calling all of us to grow deeper in our relationship, to study the word, to know the word, to have that relationship with God, to, to lock arms together and to go forward. And today we come to Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 and I love this passage of scripture. I'll just tell you this was the blueprint when God called us to plant rolling hills 12 years ago. We said this is what we want to be as a church, right? We want to be the people of God and so if you have a Bible with you today I invite you open with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels all talking about Jesus and his ministry here, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And then you come into Acts, which stands for the Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles. So these guys are living it out and the Holy Spirit comes and the church explodes, right? Pick up here, Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, maybe you have a mobile device or you can access it, version, or we'll put the words on the screen so you can follow along with what God's word has to say. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow. I mean, I just think that is awesome. I mean, how fun. Who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? And God is alive and God is moving and people are just passionate about what God is doing. It so reminds me of what he's doing here at Rolling Hills. I just love it. But notice a couple of things. Notice one, that they were growing up, Right? They were growing. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that they met together in the temple courts, that they had corporate worship times. Notice it also says that they broke bread in homes. So they had corporate worship times and they had small groups that met in homes. Wow, that's what we do, right? You know, so it was important that both were happening. They were studying the word, growing deeper in the faith, growing deeper in the word, and then sharing life together in homes. Notice too that they were sharing communion together and breaking bread with other believers, but they were also enjoying the favor of all the people. That they were reaching out to the people around them. That they were making a difference there. And then I want you to see this. I want you to see how they were giving all. I want you to see the generosity. And that's really where we're gonna plug in today and really spend time and dig deep today. But notice verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Now, I think what that's talking about right there, it doesn't mean that we're supposed to go out and have like communal living, right? And live in a kibbutz and, you know, we share one uh, washing machine and one lawnmower and then everybody's just kind of there. I mean, maybe if that's what God's calling you to, great. But what I think it means is this, and what I believe with all my heart is that it just means they were generous. 
It just means that they valued people more than possessions. It just means that they saw needs and they, and they met it. They, they gave their lives to God first. They worshiped God with all their hearts. They were all into God. And then they saw needs around them and they said, hey, this is important. God's called us to be generous. Why? Because God is generous, right? For God so loved the world, he gave, right? He gave. And here's the deal about giving. You can give without loving. I mean, people do it all the time, right? You walk by, you throw some coins in a bucket or something like that. But you can't love without giving. When you love God, you just want to give. When you love your spouse, you want to give, right? When you love your children, you want to give, right? You just love and you see needs and you start to say, how can I be generous? And as we talk about giving all today, I believe God has called every one of us to develop this heart of generosity, so we see, number one, this call to biblical community that we're learning, we're growing, we're reaching, we're giving. And you see this heartbeat for generosity, the heartbeat to love the people around, the heartbeat to share the love of Christ. Now, here's the fact. The fact is this. We all live in a very affluent area, don't we? I mean, think about this. Half the world lives on less than $2 a day. I, I, that's hard to get our mind around, right? But half the world less lives on less than $2 a day. And yet we live in a place, we live in the United States of America, we live in a place here, right, in middle Tennessee where we are blessed beyond measure. We have been given so much. Now that's a blessing and it's also a challenge. Let's be honest, right? It's a blessing because together we can do so much. And you guys, you, so many of you are so generous. I mean, really. And you're making a difference through the generosity. We're making a difference in, in orphans in Moldova, making a difference in South Africa, making a difference in the Path Project, making a difference right here. But it's also a challenge because of this. You see, Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. Why? Because he knew that money was the chief competitor for our hearts. <laughs> He knew that we would forget about God and we would just think that money would become our God. And money would be the one that we would look to and money would be what we hold on to. In fact, Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, he'll despise the one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now money's not bad in and of itself. In fact, I mean, money can be used for a lot of good, but money can also take our hearts away from God. And Jesus knew that. And so Jesus says, hey guys, I want you to be generous, but just know as you are blessed, I want you to be a blessing. I don't want it just to be about you. You remember in the garden what happened? Take, right? Take, take. And when we begin to fall into that mindset, I want more, I want more, I want more, just for me, for me, for me. Woo, that's when our life begins to spin out of control. Now, Somebody sent me this article, a guy in our church, and, uh, and this is from a secular magazine, okay? This is from The Week. But it says this, what wealth does to your soul? All right, so this isn't the Bible right now. This is just a totally secular magazine. And they did study after study after study about wealth and the implication of wealth on people's lives. And here's some of their results. One said this, another study by a coalition of nonprofits called The Independent Sector revealed that people with incomes below $25,000 give away on average 4.2% of their income. So people who make less than $25,000 give away 4.2% of their income. But notice this. It says that those earning more than $150,000 a year give away only 2.7% of their income. 
You see, what is that saying? Is that the more you make, the less you give. <laughs> the more you make, the less generous you become. You're going, what? How, how, does, how does that happen? You should be, the more we make, the more we ought to be wanting to give. You know, we're like, wow. But another study showed this. It triggers a chemical reaction in the privileged few. It tilts their brains and it causes them to, to be less likely to care about anyone but themselves. And so what it's saying is this. It's not saying that money's bad. It's just saying that you and I, as God continues to bless in our life, that we have to be careful that money doesn't become our God. That we don't put all of our stock there. That we continue to have this culture of generosity that we see needs and that we meet them. It, this is from Harvard Business School, okay? So take this, out, take pastor out of the equation, take the Bible out of the equation. Harvard Business School, right? This guy named Mike Norton, and he's there. And they did this research. He asked this big investment bank to let him survey the bank's richest clients. And the poor people in this survey were millionaires, okay? So, I mean, poor people in the survey were millionaires, right? And in the forthcoming paper, Norton and his colleagues tracked the effects of getting money on the happiness of people who already have a lot of it. And here's what he found out. Rich people getting even richer experience 0% gain in happiness. So getting richer, they experience a 0% gain in happiness. But that's not all surprising. But Norton asked next is an interesting insight. He asked these rich people how happy they were at any given moment. Then he asked them how much money that it would take for them to be even happier. And all of them said they needed two to three times more what they had to feel happier. <laughs> these are millionaires. And they need two to three times more than what they have to feel happier. The evidence overwhelmingly suggests that money above a certain modest sum does not have the power to buy happiness. And yet, even very rich people continue to believe that it does. The happiness will come from the money they don't yet have. To the general rule that money above a certain low level cannot buy happiness, there is one exception. While spending money upon oneself does nothing for one's happiness, says Norton, spending it on others increases happiness. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? You guys know that. I know that. We've seen that in our lives. In the early church, they experienced it. They experienced it. This culture of generosity, this culture of giving all, this heartbeat to say, God, we want to be people you have blessed, that we could be a blessing, that we could be generous and impact lives for the glory of God. There is power there. There is power there. Now, this all goes back, right? Because this is God's heartbeat. Our God is a generous God, right? For God so loved the world, he gave. And he's always been giving. But if you go back into the Old Testament, I want you to see this unfold with God. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn with me to the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, I want you to picture what's happened here. The children of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt in the book of Exodus, right? They were released. God sent Moses, let my people go. God does 10 plagues, takes his people out. He meets them at Mount Sinai, a million people. And God says to them, guys, you were made for more than this. In fact, I'm gonna take you to the promised land. I'm gonna give you cities you didn't build. I'm gonna give you vineyards you didn't plant. I am going to bless you. But before you go there, I want you to know how to live, right? 
I want you to know how to live because I know what's gonna happen when you get in there and possessions and money and stuff, it's gonna rob your heart. It's gonna take you away from me. There's gonna be other gods. And so God gives them the 10 commandments. He gives them these other laws and says, this is how I want you to live. Listen to Leviticus chapter 23. He says this, when you reap the harvest of your land, and they're like, our land, we don't even have land. He's like, yeah, but you will have land. And when you reap the harvest of that land that you're gonna have, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord, your God. Even early on, God says, guys, listen, I have a heartbeat for the poor. I have a heartbeat for the broken. So when I give you all this, don't go to the very edges. Don't just take everything you can. Don't just take, 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 take. You give. You give to others. Leviticus chapter 27. Here's what he says in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. He says, hey guys, listen. A tenth of everything from the land. Now, a, a tithe means a tenth, okay? So a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So God says, okay, guys, listen, as my people, when you come into the land, just know that I have a heartbeat for the poor, but just know that I want to be first in your life. And so when you are blessed and you've got, you know, livestock and you've got fruit and you've got crops, the first 10% goes to me. It's just easy. I'll give you 90%. Just the first 10% goes to me. That way you keep me first, right? And then you take care of the poor. You take care of people, right? You just develop a heart of generosity. But what happened? What happened? You read through the Old Testament, what happened? They came into the promised land, right? They're winning all these battles. They take the battle of Jericho. The walls come falling down. They're winning everything. God's blessing them. He's giving them more. He's giving them more. He's giving them more. Under David, under Solomon, they become this wealthy nation. And pretty soon what? <laughs> it becomes all about money. It becomes all about possessions. It becomes all about more. So much so that in the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, Here's what God says right before he sends his son, Jesus. He says, guys, listen, I, the Lord, do not change. I've always been generous. I will always be generous. I always love. I will always love. I don't change. So you, descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. He said, you better be glad I don't change, right? Because I'm a God of grace and a God of mercy. But ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I love that right there because I want to just stop for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're far from God. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, man, I, there's just a wall, you know, I pray and I, I, just, I just don't feel close and I've made some decisions in my life and I feel like I'm going down the wrong path. And, and yet there's a God who's inviting you and inviting me. And I love this about God. And God just says, hey, come back to me. And when you and I turn to him, he's already there. When you and I turn back, he's there, his arms are open. He says, return to me and I will return to you. So wherever you are in your life, there's a God who's inviting you to himself. There's a God who's drawing you to himself. There is a God who loves you. And yet the people were distracted, right? The people were not living for God. They were doing their own thing. But you ask, how are we to return? And he says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? and tithes and offerings. <laughs> he says, guys, you remember this? Uh, I, I told you this even before you came in the land. 
the first 10 percent it just goes back to me and, and and yet you've come here and you know wow it was it was 4.2 and then I gave you more and it went down to 2.7 and it just kind of keeps dropping from that 10 percent down I mean guys come on it's just ties in, into offerings right there's ties that first 10 percent but it's also offerings that's over and above that's seeing needs and meeting it and, and you're not doing it you're not living it you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Only place in scripture where God says, test me. Only place. Test me in this, God says. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it unbelievable can you imagine God just throwing open the storehouses of heaven I've seen God do this I'm telling you trust God I mean, follow God God says I will do this I will provide for you I will take care of you I want to be your God I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not cast their fruit says the Lord Almighty notice that this is the Lord Almighty talking this isn't some prophet talking or somebody else this is the Lord Almighty talking I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I love you. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. He's like, guys, people will look and say, wow, God is at work in their lives. Now, some people hear that and they go, yeah, well, Jeff, that's okay. You know, that's great. That's great. That's Old Testament, right? That's when we were under the law. We're under grace now. You know, that, that's under the law. And, you know, really? Well, because the law says, you know, do not steal. So do we come under grace and say, well, hey, I can steal. You know, hey, I'm under grace. The law says, do not murder. So do we come under grace? Oh, I can murder. You know, hey, I'm under grace. No, this is important. But what if I show you in the New Testament? Okay, Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. I mean, what if Jesus himself said, hey, it's important for you to tithe? What if Jesus himself said, hey, this is important. This is a big deal. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 Jesus, red letters, if you have a red letter Bible, red letters, these are the words of Jesus. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He's like, hey guys, you're missing something here. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Back then, like if the Pharisees, they were, they were just, man, they were to the letter of the law. So if they got a gift and it was mint or dill as one of these spices, they would take and give a tenth of that to the Lord. Right, I mean, these guys, if, if you found a dime in the parking lot, they're gonna tie the penny. I mean, they, they were just on top of it. But he says, you've missed something. You have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy. I love that, justice and mercy. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He goes, guys, you're doing it, but your heart's not in it. You're missing the heart. Now notice this, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He says, guys, this is important. This is important. And I want you to get this and I want you to understand this. You see, the early church lived it. They did, man. They, they trusted God. They loved God. They gave to God. They saw needs around them. They met needs. There was generosity that flowed from them. They were just on fire for the Lord. And when you have a culture of generosity like that, man, who wouldn't want to be attracted to that? God is alive and God is moving. Here's number three, it's this, is that we have to learn to be stewards. We have to learn to see ourselves as stewards of God's goodness. You know, everything we have comes from God. Have you ever thought about that? 
A lot of times we think, no, 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 I worked hard. I busted it. I made it happen. I did this. No, 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 no. Think about it. Why were you born in the United States? Did you make that happen? I mean, really, I mean, how did you get the opportunity to have the education you have? How did you get the opportunity? To, you remember you prayed for this job and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you get this job. You see, everything we have comes from God. Everything we have comes from God. We are simply stewards. The other day I was watching on ESPN and they have this 30 for 30s. I don't know if anybody else watches ESPN, but they have these little documentaries that they do. And there was one called Broke. And, and I was watching this. These are professional athletes. I love sports. I've always watched sports. But professional athletes, some of these guys, I've watched play ball, right? And they're on there and they're talking about how they're just broke. And you're thinking, you signed a contract for millions of dollars. Millions of dollars, right? Sports Illustrated 2009 article said this. 60% of former NBA players are broke within the five years of retirement. By the time they've been retired for two years, 78% of former NFL players have gone through bankruptcy or under financial stress. 78%. See, here's the deal. And I want you to get this. I pray, I pray, I pray we all get this. Listen, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It really doesn't. You can have millions or you can have a little. What matters is what you do with it. And if you come back and apply biblical principles Biblical principles will change the way you live. It will impact your life. It will impact your marriage. It will impact your family. It will impact generations. The first 10% you give to God. It's just what God said. And it's so important. So you make $30,000, you give $3,000 to God. You make $300,000, you give $30,000 to God. And some people go, whoa, $30,000, but you don't ever think about, wait a minute, God just gave me $270,000. I mean, wow, that's a pretty amazing deal right there but we just trust him. You, you, you give the first 10%, you save the next 10%, regardless of how much you make, you save the next 10%, and then you live on 80%. And if we learn to live below our means, it will change everything, right? You know, one of the top causes of divorce is, is problems over money because it causes so much stress. But if we would learn in our lives, hey, we're gonna live this way, it will impact our marriages, it will impact our families, it will impact our generations. I'm telling you, I believe this with all my heart. I mean, if you need to go sell something in order to be able to tithe, if you need to like rearrange what you're spending to do, do it because it makes a difference. You know, Jesus told a parable in Matthew chapter 25. And in Matthew chapter 25, he told the parable of the talents. Some of you may have heard this. Maybe you grew up in church and you heard this parable. Jesus, he tells this story about this man who goes on this trip. And so he brings his servants together and he says, hey, I'm gonna trust you with five talents. I'm gonna trust you, the second servant, with two talents and this other one with one talent. And what happens, right? The one with five, he goes and he multiplies it. The one with two, he goes and, and he invests it and he multiplies it and they bring it back to the master. But the one with one, he hides it. And what's Jesus saying? If you're faithful with little, I'll give you more. He's like, come on, you're a steward. You and I, we are stewards of everything that we have. I heard recently a guy named Robert Morris. He's a, he's a pastor and he told a story. He wrote a book called The Blessed Life. It's a, it's a great book. In fact, if you're looking for a book to read, The Blessed Life, I'd encourage you to read it. But Robert Morris said, hey, let's take that parable and move it, move it into modern terms. He said, what if I got a call and I had to go overseas and I didn't know how long I was gonna be gone? And he said, but I really wanna take care of my wife. I love my wife. And so I, I, you know, I have some money that I'm giving to my wife. But then I call my three best friends together and I say, hey, Steve, 
and David and Todd. I've got to go away. I don't know how long I'll be gone, but I want you to help take care of my wife. I love my wife. I want to be sure she's okay. And so here's what I'm going to do, guys. I love you guys too. And so I'm going to send you each $10,000 a month. And you could use it for yourself, but all I want you to do is $1,000 a month, give it to my wife. Just make sure she has enough. Just make sure she's taken care of. He goes, so I go on my trip and I'm gone and in about three months, you know, I'm talking to my wife. In about three months, I, I decide to check him to say, hey, um, what's going on? You know, are you okay financially? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing okay. Well, what about, are you getting any extra? And she goes, you wouldn't believe this. But every month on the first day of the month, Steve sends me $1,000. He's like, that's awesome. That's great. That's great. She's like, you wouldn't believe this, David. Every month, David sends me $2,000. No way. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's great. I'm sending them $10,000. That's awesome. But they're getting it. That's awesome. Well, what about, what about Todd? He's like, oh, Todd. Yeah. Um, well, the first month, Todd sent me $700. Uh, then second month, he sent me $300. Um, and then last month, I didn't get anything. You didn't get anything? I didn't get anything. I sent him $10,000 and... He didn't get anything. He goes, what do you think I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take the money I was giving to Todd. I'm gonna move it over to David. I'm gonna move it over to Steve and say, you guys are doing it. And what we have to understand is, is the bride of Christ, God loves. And God's just saying, you're a steward. You be faithful. You be faithful. And I will bless you. I will take care of you. I promise. Here's number four is this, that we have to learn the importance of doing this together. Learn the importance of doing this together. That's what was so contagious about the church is they all did it. They all invested. They all trusted. They were all generous. This is what churches do. This is who churches are. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You know, a lot of people in the churches, they didn't have a whole lot back then. A lot of them were slaves. A lot of them were, you know, just kind of making a buy, but they were a part of the church, but they had this overflowing joy and this rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. It's like the church. That's what churches do. You know, as a church, we, we tithe on the tithe. So whenever we get to give and we give back, you know what, we, we take and we tithe on that. So when you give, we're making a difference in, in the lives of orphans in Moldova. Or you're helping in people in the Amazon. You're helping in South Africa. We have a team leaving this week to go to South Africa. And we work there in Red Hill, about 2,000 people. And there's about 100 kids who get one meal a day. And it's because of your generosity. Because we get to give together. We make a difference. And see, for Lisa and I, my wife, you know, we love this. I mean, this is important to us. And we learned, I'm blessed to have great parents who taught me about tithing early. If you're a parent, yeah, I'm teaching my kids and I pray for all of us that we can teach our kids because this is important. And whether you get a job in high school or whether you're in college, but that we learn this principle. But Lisa and I, the first check we write, you know, it doesn't go to the government. It doesn't go to the mortgage company. The first thing we do is we wanna put God first in our lives. So we just say, hey, we wanna give back to you. But then we also say there's tithes and there's offerings that we wanna give over and above that. As God blesses us, we wanna give back. 
12 months ago, when we began this Next Steps initiative, uh, last March, we prayed as a family, Lisa and I and our girls, and we prayed and we took a step of faith and we gave a one sum, a one-time gift. And then we made a commitment to give a 24-month pledge. And so over and above our tithe, and over above that one-time gift, we give a 24-month pledge because we believe in what God's doing here. We believe in new preschool space. We believe that it's gonna impact families. We believe it's gonna allow us to reach more people for Christ. We believe in what's happening in South Nashville. We believe in what's happening in Moldova. We believe in taking care of people at the PATH Project. We believe and we wanna be invested. Above that, we give to JMI, Justice and Mercy International, right? We sponsor kids in Moldova. We wanna help out. And we're not perfect, but we just wanna be generous. We wanna take what God's given us and give back. And it's what God has for all of us. And you know what the result is? Here's number five. The result is this. The result is a joy-filled life. I gotta tell you, the result is a joy. Go through and read this, right? All the believers, all the believers, all these people. But what does it say over and over and again? They were enjoying the favor of all the people. They were praising God. They had glad and sincere hearts. After the first service, I was walking back there and this couple came up and they said, Pastor Jeff, this revolutionized our marriage. This revolutionized our life. Last year, we started tithing and you wouldn't believe the difference that it's made. We've seen God do miracles. We only heard about it before, but now we're seeing it. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. And I just love that. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give whatever he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It basically comes back and says, Where's your faith? Where's your trust? God is able to meet all your needs. Do we believe it? Do we live it? Here's what I hear from people time and time again. You know, people who are, who are tithing, they just say, Pastor Jeff, I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed. And it doesn't mean that they don't have challenges. It doesn't mean that there's financial, you know, just times that they're like, oh man, how am I gonna do this? But they just say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And you know what I hear from people who aren't? All the time I hear this. I don't have enough money. <laughs> It's just never enough. I don't have enough. I just don't ever have enough. If I just had more, if I just had more, I'm just like, ah, just trust. <laughs> just trust. Just follow. Just trust. I don't know where you are on this subject, but I know this, that, that God is inviting you to trust him. And God is inviting you to follow him. And when you talk about giving all, it's giving our heart, it's giving our lives, it's giving financially, it's just trust. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or ever imagine. And God has a great plan for your life. God has a great plan for our lives. If we will listen and follow and trust. I've seen it happen over and over again. And you know why this is so important to God? <laughs> because he gave his all for us. He gave his all for us. He loves us so much. I don't know if you have one of these little booklets, but I hope you do. If you do, I wanna invite you to take this out with you right now. If you need one, you can raise your hand and an usher will bring one to you. You can go to the back and get one. But I would love for you just to look at this because right now I wanna invite us all just to pray and say, God, what commitment do you want me to take? As I take a next step in my spiritual journey, this is my little book. I'm right here with us all. Reaching out. We're asking everybody in these three areas, reaching out to give 2% of your time between now and March of 2016 
2% of your time, and maybe that's a mission trip, maybe you've never done that. Maybe that's walking across the street and meeting a neighbor. You don't even know who your neighbors are, in your apartment complex or on your street. Figure that out, you know. This is the time to reach out. Maybe it's somebody that's a coworker at work that you can invite to church. Reaching out, what, what next step are you gonna take? Growing up, what are you gonna say yes to Jesus? Maybe it's baptism. I love it. Last Sunday, man, people were coming up and saying, Pastor Jeff, it's time. I'm giving my life to Christ and I wanna follow him. I wanna be baptized. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Some people are saying, it's time for me to join the church. You know, I need to move from being a, a spectator to a participant. I need to step in. I need to get involved or to be a part of a small group or to read the word of God, to take a daily step and to read God's word. And then the third commitment is a giving all. And you can look on the back of this card and, and this, is, this is for you to pray about and think about. But maybe you just say, you know what, I've already committed to giving all and I'm, I'm just gonna make that commitment. I'm just recommitting to God between now and March of 15. That's where Lisa and I are. Maybe you say, hey, I'm new to next steps and I'm gonna commit to giving all, bye. Maybe last year you weren't in a place or maybe now you're new to the church and you're saying, okay, I'm in. I'm gonna tithe. I'm gonna trust God in this. I see the difference that it would make in my life. Also, I wanna give over and above and maybe it's a one-time gift next Sunday on March 8th, our commitment Sunday, a one-time gift or a 12-month pledge. For the next 12 months, I'm gonna do this over and above my tithe, and I wanna give, and I wanna watch God work. Maybe it's a gift of stock. People are doing that because of the stock market's way up and tax implications. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that the Holy Spirit will speak to all of us, and God's inviting us to give all. You see, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, what did he do? He brought his disciples together, and what did he say to them? He basically said this, I'm giving all for you. <laughs> I'm giving all for you. I love you, you are mine. And I'm not calling you to a partial commitment. I'm not calling you to follow me when it's convenient. I'm calling you to give your life because I'm giving my life for you. He took bread and he broke it. And after he broke it, he gave thanks and he said, guys, this is my body broken for you, personal. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, guys, this is my blood poured out for you, personal. Whenever you eat this bread or you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this morning, I just wanna invite us into a time of response. I don't know where you are in your faith journey, but I know God's calling you to take a next step. I know God's calling you to follow. So this morning, if you're a follower of Christ, in just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come to his table. There's tables set up around the room. There's two stations at each table. And to take a piece of the bread, Christ's body broken for you, to dip into the cup, his blood poured out for you, and to receive, right? Not take, to receive the gift that only God can give. There's a gluten-free table over here. But before you come to the table, I wanna ask you just to take this little booklet and pray through it. Just say, God, what do you want me to do? What next steps are you calling me to take? I don't wanna be complacent in my spiritual life. I don't wanna just sit on the sidelines, God. I don't have a lot of time on this earth, God. I wanna be used for your glory. What do you call me to do? Or maybe you wanna go and take communion first and just think about all God's done for you. I don't know where you are today, but God does. <laughs> and God wants to meet you right here. So Father, here we are, your disciples. Father, it's not always easy following God. It's so much easier to go with the way of the world and, and just follow along. And yet, God, you call us to go deeper in our faith. And so, Lord, draw us to your heart today. God, give us the courage to trust 
to follow. Because God, our obedience impacts more than just us. Our obedience to reach out, to grow up, to give all, will impact others around us. And whether it's our marriage, our future marriage, or our children, or communities, Father, just find us faithful. And when we are faithful with little, God, we know you'll give us more. So Father, we come. We come to say thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who paid it all for us. Thank you, God, that you're with us. And you never leave us. You never forsake us. And Jesus, we love you so much. And it's in your name that we respond as we come to your table. Amen. You're invited to come whenever you would like.
left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow God, praise God, he washed in white as snow. I love it. So grateful for the gift of Jesus. And I pray that you know the hope that you have in Christ, the joy that you can have in Christ, that we live our lives for his name and for his glory all of our days. God loves us. Wow, God loves you. <laughs> At this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. And this is an opportunity for us to give back, an opportunity to invest in what God's doing. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask is that you would give us your communication card. We can follow up with you and tell you what God's doing in and through his church. Also, if you have a prayer request, you can write that on the back of the communication card, drop in the offering basket as well. And on Mondays, we pray through every prayer request that comes in. As a staff, we just spend time praying over those requests. And we've seen God answer in amazing ways and God do miracles. So the power of prayer. But let me pray for us right now as we have a chance to give. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, as we talk about giving all. Thank you that you gave your son for us. And I pray, Father, that you would well up inside of us rich generosity, Father, to follow you all of our days, to see needs and to meet those, to be the hands and feet of Christ, to realize that we have been blessed in order to be a blessing. God, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we give. Amen. Amen. everyone. In this Next Steps Minute, we're talking about giving all. 
you'll hear from Dave and Sherry Crawford as they share how God used their obedience in giving all this past year to impact their lives in ways they could have never imagined. Last year, we decided to give all in tithing. Uh, we had never tithed before, um, just because of the fact that I felt like I really needed to be able to take care of my own household, my own family, before I started looking at um, taking care of the church or giving money uh, back to the church. And so Sherry and I, we prayed about it, and we thought long and hard and decided to go ahead and make the commitment to tie the full 10%. Um, last year at this time. As part of our next steps, we were hoping to save money to go to Moldova. And God is good. Um, we actually were able to go, not in July, like we were planning to save money for. Some people blessed us with the trip, and we actually went in December. And it has had a major impact on us, spiritually and um, emotionally. The trip was um, something that Sherry and I had definitely wanted to do as our next steps, part of our next steps. And through our faithful tithing and, and never doubting that God would provide for us uh, in tough times and in good times, we were able to go to Moldova and He paid us back in spades. As we look forward to this next year and what giving all is about and what it means to our lives. We're very excited in what God is doing for us. To find out how you can give all through Next Steps, visit rollinghillscommunity.org slash next steps. That's great. That's great. I love it. I encourage you to bring this back next week. Next week is our commitment or recommitment Sunday. And so it's going to be a great day. You don't want to miss next week. But pray about it. Talk to your spouse if you're married and then come back next week as we make commitments in reaching out, growing up, giving all. Also next Sunday, we're going to have the grand opening of our new preschool space and it is beautiful and I'm so excited about it. So from three to five next Sunday, come be a part of that. It's going to be so fun to see what God's doing there. So many great things happening, church. We had the daddy-daughter ball on a Friday night, and so I'm still sore from dancing for three hours. But uh, we got three little girls. There's always somebody, that, you know, they don't take a break. You know, somebody's jumping in. But we had a blast, and it was so fun. It was amazing. So our family ministry team, great job. And last Thursday morning, we launched the men's breakfast, our men's leadership breakfast. If you missed, guys, I encourage you, come this week, because we're talking about how to have a great marriage, and it is going to be powerful. So this Thursday... 6.30 to 7 is breakfast, and then 7 to 7.45 is teaching right here in this room, and we'll have six satellite locations. So go to mensleadershipnetwork.com and check that out. We also have if tables for women, great places to share life and talk about different struggles in life, but also joys and growing deeper in your faith. Great ways to get involved. And this coming Friday, I just encourage you, I'm going to fast and pray this coming Friday from sunup to sundown just for what God's doing in His church. And so if you want to join me, just encourage you to jump in and be a part of that. And we just are on a journey together and God's doing great things. Let's stand, let me pray over us, and then let's go and live out His word and live out His truth. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're moving in our lives, God. Thank you that, Father, you have a plan for us and that you're redeeming us and restoring us. Thank you for Jesus. We love Jesus and for hope that we have in Christ. And now send us out as people who are redeemed and people that you can use for your name. And it's in the name of Jesus that we go to our families and our communities and our workplaces for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great week and God bless. Thanks for being here.